Welcome to the New Birth Christian Ministries podcast. New Birth Christian Ministries is located in Columbus, Ohio. Under the direction of Pastor Yavis Ellis, join us as we transform our families, school, community, and city by introducing everyone to Jesus Christ. week we seen that the children of Israel had taken over Jericho. Uh, God had given them Jericho. The walls had fallen. And, and now they're headed into another territory within the territory that's always promised to them, that's already theirs. They're heading to another city inside the territory that's already promised to them. So in Joshua 7 and 1, Joshua 7 and 1 says, but the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Akan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zadbi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Okay. Over the past eight weeks, we've been diving into the book of Joshua. We've been preparing ourselves to walk in promise in 2023. And it's been a fulfilling series so far. Um, We've shouted every single Sunday. We've gotten excited every single Sunday because everybody wants to walk in the promise. Um, I want to walk in the promise of peace, right? And when you're walking in the promise of peace, what that means is that even when chaos seems to be all around you and people try to disturb your mind, you still find peace that surpasses all understanding. That's what walking in peace looks like, right? Um, And many of us say, listen, not only do I want to walk in peace, but I want to walk in joy. So what that means is that even when death or sorrow or grief shows up at my doorstep, uh, I don't lose the joy that I have in the Lord. When I lose family, friends, loved ones, I don't grieve like those who have no hope. But instead, I move where? In joy. So we walk in the promise of joy. So not only the promise of peace, the promise of joy, but we walk in the promise of provision. So even in times where I don't have everything I want, I can still bless God because I got everything I need. That's the promise of provision, right? And and there's something about being able to walk in the promise. However, what you got to keep in mind is that there's an enemy who desires to stop you from walking in promise. There's an enemy whose sole goal is to stop you from obtaining what God has for you and to stop you from walking in promise, which means he prefers for you to walk outside the promise. Because outside the promise, there's no power. Outside the promise, there's no joy. Outside the promise, there's no real provision. Outside the promise is not a place where you want to be. But the truth of the matter is, many of us spend a lot of time walking outside of promise. And so though we've shouted for eight weeks straight, I hope you're okay with us learning some stuff today. Um, I'm not going to stop you from getting your shout in, but, but, I, but I really hope we can sit down and walk through the text and begin to teach ourselves something about how we can operate in promise. Um, the text shows us that even though they were in the promised land, you can still be walking outside of the promise. I'll say it again. Even though the children of Israel are currently in the promised land that God promised to them, it's possible that you can still be walking outside of the promise. See, I don't want to be in the land of promise, but not walking in promise. I don't want to be in the land of promise, but not living according to promise. It is not being at church that proves you're in the promise. It is how you carry church outside of church that proves you're walking in the promise. Okay. And sometimes we're in the promised land, 
but not walking according to the promise. What was it that caused the Bible to talk about a man named Achan who was with Joshua and the children of Israel? Not only did they say his name, but they told you his daddy's name, his grandfather's name. They wanted you to know who this Achan was. The same Achan who witnessed the miracle of the stopping of the Jordan, who walked across the Jordan on dry land, who may have also walked around Jericho, who seen the walls fall down, but now the same Achan who seen all the blessings of God and experienced the promises of God in the promised land is now in the promised land but walking around cursed. What a horrible place to be. To be in the promised land but walking around cursed. Well, let me show you why he was cursed. In Joshua 6, 16, it says, uh, And it came to pass at the seventh time, when the priest blew the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. This was in Jericho. And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein, to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye, in wise Anywise, keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed. When you take the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. Okay, let me tell you what happened. They were in Jericho at the time. Joshua says, we're going to shout when the walls fall, this city is going to be cursed. And everything inside the city will be cursed. Everything that's in the city is a bad thing. The only thing that will survive is going to be Rahab and her, and her family. We're only going to save Rahab, the harlot, and her family. That's it. Everything else is a curse. Do not touch it. Don't pick it up. So Joshua set the tone. He gave the instruction from God that when we overtake the city, and that when we do overtake the city, that nothing will go with us. Only our girl Rahab in her house is going to be able to go with us. But everything else, don't take nothing. Nada. Don't pick up nothing. Don't put nothing in your pocket. Don't take a piece of jewelry. Don't take a plate. Don't take a TV. Don't take a couch. Don't take nothing out of Jericho. Leave it. Because it's cursed. Now, the word accursed... The word accursed means dedicated to destruction. Somebody say dedicated to destruction. So, so what God was saying is that the things in the city, in that area, are dedicated and devoted to destruction. Therefore, they are things you do not want to carry with you. So the issue with Achan is that Achan had took a thing that God did not approve and that God did not okay something that is of death to carry with him toward more promises. Okay, y'all missed it. You can't carry something that's made for death into the promise with you. The accursed thing and the promise don't go together. And the first point I want to make to you today, the first point is so important. The first point, I don't want you to miss this. What I want you to understand is you got to be careful what you pick up. Okay? Listen. <laughs> there may be some, some strays in your book bag. There may be some cursed things in your purse. There may be something in your trunk that, 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 that you don't need to have in there. Don't pick up something that was dedicated for destruction. 
There are some situations that we're in right now that are dedicated for destruction. You knew it was made for destruction when you got into it, yet you still allowed yourself to get into it. Um, there are some habits that would not be able to go with me into the next phase of the promise. There are some things that I may have been able to carry for a little bit, but eventually it'll end up keeping me stuck if I don't drop it as soon as possible. I don't know what your thing is. I'm talking about me. There's some things I got to drop before I can go into the promise. You may not want to testify, but we all got some things that we know we should not be carrying going into the promise. The Christian walk is not just one major change. But it is a life that you continuously are laying things aside. It is not just one encounter on Easter morning and now I'm going to walk strong for the rest of my life. No, it is a working lifestyle that I'm always allowing God to chisel me, to tear things off of me, to put the fire on me, to grow me and perfect me. Listen, that's why I don't care how many years you've been saved, no matter how many scriptures you know, no matter how good you tap that tambourine, no matter how nice you dress up, no matter how on beat your shout may be, you are always in need of a savior. You better stop worrying about who wearing a hat in the sanctuary and worry about the baggage you got in your... Okay, listen, I am always in need of a chisel. I'm always in need of the fire to refine me and make me better. No matter how holy you think you are, you always need more fire. Okay. See, this is why instead of looking to see what everybody else is carrying, <laughs> um, I got to look to see what, what's in my bag. Okay. Listen, I, um, you know, when we, when we travel normally, Bo makes sure that all the kids got their stuff together. And, and, and one time we were traveling, we we're headed to the airport. And, and as we're headed to the airport, um, I'm so worried about their bags and what they got in their bags and making sure that she got all her stuff straight, uh, um, that, that I'm telling them what to do and et cetera, et cetera. And, and I get to the airport and I get in the back of my car and I open up my bag and I realize that in my bag, I have my pistol. So, so pretty much, I was about to try to walk into the airport and catch a felony. And if I would have checked my own bag as opposed to worrying about everybody else's bag, I would have understood I had some illegal stuff in my bag that could not travel with me. What I want you to understand is you're so busy checking everybody else's bag, what everybody else is carrying, that you don't understand what's in your own bag, what's in your own car, what's in your own backyard, what's in your own life. And sometimes you got to stop and do some unpacking because it's some things that can't go with you where God is trying to take you. I got to worry about what I've picked up and what I've been carrying because we all got something that we got to drop. Listen, listen, I can't be talking about your addictions when I have not dealt with mine. I can't talk about your lying tongue when I have not dealt with my gossiping and backbiting tongue. We got to be mindful of what we picked up and what we're currently carrying. Okay, um, a, a really good text for us to look at is Ephesians 4 and 22. Ephesians 4 and 22 is incredible um, because it illustrates 
how you and I are supposed to walk, how you and I are supposed to live. It says you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The, uh, the, the text says put off, take off, put aside. It's giving you the analogy of, of changing clothes. You take it off when it's dirty, you don't carry it around with you. You take it off and put on new clothes. And, and as you mature as a believer, as you move further into the promise, you should not look like you used to look. Okay. You should look a lot less like you used to be. Okay. See, I want to be continuing to grow into my new self that I almost look unrecognizable. I want you to look at me and not really recognize who I was from last year and the year before that because I'm consistently growing. I don't want you to look at me and see the old lying me, the old lazy me, the old cussing me, the old stealing me. I don't want to keep carrying the old baggage that I used to be. I eventually got to take some things that I'm carrying and leave them. And as you matriculate into the Christian walk and move toward the promise, you can't just be carrying any old thing. Okay? Later on today, I want you to scroll through your phone. And I want you to see what you're carrying. Now listen. I want you to look at some text message conversations and I want you to think about what you've been carrying. Because there are some things that should have been dropped years ago that we're still carrying. And, and, and don't look right now, but, but are you carrying something that you should have dropped a long time ago? Okay, so Achan took something that he should not have taken from Jericho. He picked something up and carried it with him into the new promise. And he's looking to continue to take it into the next chapter of the promise. It was a dead thing that a person who was supposed to be alive is trying to take in their new situation. Okay. It was a dead thing that an alive person is trying to take in their new living situation. And let me show you what carrying dead things, carrying dead people, carrying dead relationships, carrying dead mindsets will do to you. Follow me to Joshua, Joshua 7 and 2. We're going to read to verse 5. It says, um, Bethaven on the east side of Bethel, and he spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed I. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite I. And make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but a few. So there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about 36 men, uh, for they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Okay. Let me show you what happened here. Joshua told the men, uh, we just shut down Jericho. We just did our thing. God showed up. The walls fell down. The people are fearful of us. They scary. Now it's on to the next one, right? That's how Joshua feels. And he says the city of Ai is next. 
So he said, before we go, we're going to send out spies first to kind of see what's going on with the land and see what they look like, see if they can fight, see if they got some weapons, see who they are as a people. The spies came back and told Joshua, hey, listen, Joshua, this is going to be easy. This is going to be a breeze. He said, we ain't even got to send all of our men. They can keep resting. Let's, let's do this. Let's send about two or 3,000 men because it ain't going to be no real fight. All we're going to need is a little bit of our men to go in and take it over. So they went up with their 3,000 men. And it said when they got there to the people of Ai that the people of Ai started whooping on the children of Israel. So that the children of Israel end up losing that battle, a battle they should have easily won. Okay. There are some battles in my life that I should easily be winning. There are some battles in my life that should not even be a conversation or a problem for me. But when I am carrying disobedience, when I am carrying dead things, when I am carrying dead relationships, when I run around with dead people, I run the risk of surrendering my power to things that I should be able to overcome. Listen, it's going to be a hard Sunday. It's going to be a tough Sunday. But, but there are some things that we are fighting right now. There are some things we are warring with right now that should not be an issue, but it is. And the reason you cannot defeat it is because God will not let you move into destiny with just any old thing attached to you. You're losing because you got some stuff attached to you that God said you should have dropped a long time ago. You should be winning, but you can't win because you're carrying too much of the old stuff that God said drop. See, see the reason they could not defeat the enemy it's because God said, I will not give you the promise when you got dead things attached to you. Okay, you're going to hate this, but, but there are some people who are pulling on you. There are some people who are hanging off of you, who are dragging you back. There are some people that are close to us that God is saying that right there won't work in the next stage of the promise. Okay. What's so crazy, Sharon, is that when you look at the history of I, the people, um, I was the city of the Ammonites. It was east of Bethel, close to Jericho which means they had to have heard or at least seen all the smoke that came from when the city fell down. So technically, they should have been a witness of what the children of Israel could do when they come to fight. But the Ammonite people, the name I actually means a heap of ruins, translated to a trash city. Okay. They live in a heap of ruins. They are a trash city. The Ammonites are the people who were born out of the lineage of Lot. Now, if you know anything about Lot, Lot's daughters got him drunk, and then through incest came a son named Ben-Ami, and that's who the Ammonites came through, the lineage of him, Ben-Ami. So there are people who do not trust God, they don't worship God. They live in a trash heap city. They don't follow God's ways, which means they should be a powerless people. 
So the powerless people that come from a lineage of incest who do not believe God, who have not repented, it is fitting that where they congregate is a heap of ruins. Okay. There are some things that are beneath you that are currently getting the best of you. There are some things that should be under your feet that are currently giving you hell. And sometimes you got to step back and remember who your God is and who this small enemy is and begin to say, why can't I defeat this thing? Why can't I get over the addiction? Why do I keep going back? Why do I keep messing up? It's because sometimes you got some things dragging on you that you got to kick off sometimes. Everybody can't go with you in the land of the promise. You can't take every mindset, every relationship, every friendship, every situationship into the... You can't move it into the promise with you. You got to learn how to kick some things off of you. Anybody want to kick some stuff off of them? Anybody want to strip some stuff off of them? Okay. This is going to be tough. Um, I often wonder if, if maybe, this is me. You ain't got to testify if you don't want, but I often wonder if, if maybe uh, I have some things buried or some things put away or that I think are hidden, um, that God has been telling me to get rid of, um, but I've been hoarding it. Okay. How many of y'all got, um, <laughs> got shoes and outfits in your closet? <laughs> okay. Never wore it. You gonna get in it one day. But you've been saying that for like, 10 years, right? We got stuff that we know we should get rid of. But for some reason, we keep holding on to it. And I believe in the spiritual. That we got some stuff in the closet that we got to get rid of. We got to quit holding on to it. We got to keep thinking it's going to be useful one day when God is telling you, you got to move on from that thing. It will not follow you into the promise. That wardrobe won't work where I'm trying to get you to. You got to throw that thing out. Okay. This was the issue with the children of Israel. Remember that Akan had taken the accursed things. It was something that God did not endorse. It was something that God did not say was okay. And, and, and listen, what's amazing is that the text begins to show us where the thing was actually at. If you read further in, in, in the text, we can't go through the whole thing, but I want to show you in, in Joshua 7, 22, it, it, it says, um, so Joshua sent messengers and they ran into the tent and behold, it was hid in his tent and the silver was under it. Okay. It said it was hid in his tent, in his house. And the silver was under it. Which means that all the things he took had to be buried on top of each other. Okay. Achan had taken something that was not approved by God. It was a thing that was dedicated and designated for death. It was something that was not pleasing to the Lord. And Achan had taken that thing and buried it under his house. And nobody else in the camp knew about it. I don't even think his family really knew about it. Joshua was not privy to it at the moment, but it was done in secret. It was something that he took, 
that was hiding in secret in his house. Okay. There were some secrets in his house that were stopping him from the public promise. It was some secrets behind closed doors that he had buried that were stopping him from grabbing what God had for him in the promised land. Even when I think I'm getting away with something in secret, it will sometimes still impact me publicly. There are some things that I may do behind closed doors that just because I have not gotten caught yet does not mean that it's permissible by God. Okay. Sometimes God's way of saving us is getting me back on the right path by not letting me do the wrong in the dark, but letting me do the wrong in the dark and then uncovering my tent. Okay. I know you're not going to like this. But sometimes God has to reveal what you've been doing in the dark publicly in order to get your butt back on the right path. Because if I never get caught doing what I'm doing in private, I will think it's okay and live a public life that's holy, but have a life in private that is a mess, that is filth. And I'll bust hell wide open no matter how holy I think I am. Okay. Luke, Luke 12 and 2, Jesus says, he says, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. And sometimes it is his grace that covers me, but it's that same grace that says I got to expose it so I can fix it. <laughs> now, now, let me say this. Please, let me, let me say this real quick. Um, it is not your job to put someone else's darkness on display. Let me say that. Yes, through scripture, we call out evil. We call out wrong. We do not endorse what God hates. But it is not my job to go around looking to put people on the chopping block. But instead, it is my job to make sure that my lifestyle behind closed doors matches my lifestyle in the open. That what I say behind closed doors matches who I am in the pulpit. That what you say behind closed doors matches who you are with your church clothes on. And that there are not things, mindsets, relationships, habits that I'm carrying around and burying that are not pleasing to God. Achan took something that God said don't take and based on the text he buried it in his tent where nobody else could see it where only he knew about it. He buried it. Say he buried it. Okay. He planted the seed. He buried it. He planted the seed. And the seed bore fruit. Okay, the second thing I want you to understand today, the second thing I want you to really take heart to is you got to be careful what you plant. Not only do you got to be careful what you pick up, but you got to be careful what you bury, what you plant. He buried and planted the accursed thing, and now there was fruit being shown. Okay, what was the fruit? The fruit was they were being defeated by an enemy that was not as powerful as them. They were now unable to move into the next portion of the promise. And sometimes the fruit is that we remain stuck in this place because we refuse to dig up what we buried. 
they're stuck in between a previous victory and a defeat. <laughs> but it also says that wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Okay. This should show us how insidious disobedience can be. How self-defeating disobedience could be when it goes unchecked. When disobedience and sin is picked up, when it's carried, when it's buried in our secret places, it will not only cause all kinds of issue, but it causes a heart issue. See, it is from your heart and your soul that your decisions are made. It is from the heart that determines what comes out of your mouth. Okay, uh, Proverbs 23 and 7 says it plain. It says, uh, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And it says that their hearts had melted and became as water. Water is fluid in that it just takes on the shape of whatever it's put in. In other words, depending on where it is, the identity of how it looks changes. <laughs> okay, if water's in a bowl, it takes the shape of a bowl. If water's in a cup, it takes the shape of a cup. If it's on a plate, it will spread out and probably spill over. So therefore, when it says that they have become as water, it means they have no real fortitude. They have no real foundation. They are being swayed. They are being pushed away from being strong. They are being shaped by their circumstance. And what I want you to understand is that disobedience will mess up your identity. It'll mess up your identity to the point where your heart becomes like water, to the point where you just become whatever you're put into. Whatever the world tells you that you are, you'll start listening to it. Whatever the relationship tells you that you are, you'll start embracing it. You'll stay in a relationship that's not good for you. You'll stay in a situation that is harmful for you because you're like water and you're being told what you are and whose you are. And in your confused state, you no longer look like victory. You no longer look like a man of valor or look like a virtuous woman, but instead you start looking like the enemy that's talking to you. Okay, let me see what I mean by that. Um, you'll begin to see the fruit of carrying and burying the thing that God said was not for you. What do I mean by you'll start looking like your enemy? And what I mean by that is you'll start looking defeated. You'll start talking like a defeated person. If you look at the way it talks about the people's heart melting and being like water, remember a few weeks back we talked about Rahab? And Rahab was talking about how scared everyone was of the Israelites and all the people of the land and the Canaanites were scared and the Ammonites were scared and everybody in the land was scared. She said to them, she said, um, and as soon as we heard these things, our heart did melt. Okay. How is it that the people whose heart are melted, the enemy's heart is melted, the people who are supposed to be overtaking them now have the same condition. How is it they're acting like the people they're supposed to be defeating? They experience the fear that the enemy should really have from them. So therefore, the fruit of burying disobedience and trying to cover it up is now bearing fruit of a heart condition that is shaky, which is causing them to operate in fear. And when you operate in fear, you make decisions that don't walk you into the promise, but you'll make decisions that have you running from the promise. 
Okay, listen, I don't want to be in a state of retreat when God called me to be in a state of attack. I don't want to be running scared when I should be the one running up. I don't want to be getting bullied when I should be the one slaying the giant. But look at the conversation between Joshua and God. Let me show you something, then you can go home. It says, after the soldiers came back running scared, after the soldiers had their heart all messed up and heart all melted and heart looking like water, Joshua gets down on his face. He starts crying to God. He starts ripping his clothes. He said, Lord, what's going on? Lord, why is this happening? Lord, now the enemies are going to think we're all weak, think we're all powerless. Our heart has melted. Lord, what's going on? And in Joshua 7 and 10, it said, the Lord said unto Joshua, get up. Okay, you missed it. After he was crying about what was going wrong, after he was worried about what was happening, after he was scared about what was next, the Lord said, okay, get up. Okay, you missed it again. Listen, this was a command. It was a rebuke. It was a yell. Now that Joshua had gotten in the face of God, complained, he murmured, he worried. God says, now you got all that out the way. Get your butt up. Get up, doubter. Get up, worrier. Get up, fearful. Get up, get up, get up. The reason you got to get up is because now that you're prayed to me, now that you cried to me, we now got some work to do. It's some stuff we got to do. So stop crying about it and get up on your feet feet and let's get to work. Okay. Listen. I said, okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. So he got to get up. He got to get up. God said, get up. Get up off your faith. Why you laying there crying? I know what's going on. I seen what happened. But now that you prayed to me, get on up. When he got up, he said to him, he said, listen, in Joshua 7 and 12, he said, this is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They have turned their backs and run because they've been made liable to destruction. He said, I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever is among you that's devoted to destruction. He said, go and consecrate the people and tell the people to consecrate themselves. Let's get ready. Let's get prepared for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. There are some devoted things that you got in your house. There are some things that I don't like about your house. There are some things you can't keep being in relationship with. There are some things you can't keep flirting with. There are some things you can't keep sleeping with. There are some things you can't keep being in bed with. There are some things you can't keep on lying about. You won't be able to stand against your enemy until you remove those things. He said, get up. Okay, look. He said, get up. We got some digging to do. Okay. It's time to destroy some accursed things. Somebody say, dig it up. No, no, you got to dig it up. Listen, we can't keep carrying things that God did not give us to carry into the next stage of our life. We got to dig it up. There are some cities that God has called you to overtake, but you're running scared because you got to dig some stuff up. There are some opportunities that God has for you, but you're running scared because you got to dig it up. There are some businesses God has for you, but you're running scared. You got to dig it up. He wants to grow your life, grow your family, grow your marriage, grow your money, but you got to dig some stuff up. You've buried too much and you got to go and dig it up. Anybody tired of being down? Anybody tired of being lost? Anybody tired of the enemy doing what he wants? Then you better get up on your feet and start doing some digging. Anybody ready to get up? Oh, I don't see it. Anybody want to get up? Come on, get up.
up, get up, get up, get up. We got some digging to do. We got some work to do. It's some stuff we got to do in our own life. It's some things we got to look in our own bag and begin to take off. We got to lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us. It's time for us to get up. Okay, Jeremiah. Jeremiah said it best. He said, he said, I have this day. I have set over thee. I have set over thee nations. I've set you over kingdoms. I set you over those things to root up, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, and to build, and to plant. Listen, it's some stuff we got to uproot. When you got a tree in your backyard, when you got a weed in your backyard, you got to grab some tools, and you got to get to the root of that thing and start digging. And what I want you to understand, it's not going to be just a pretty facelift, but you you gotta get dirty. You gotta get some dirt under your nails. I know you got your nails done, your cuticles look all good, but God is saying it's gonna take some work. It's gonna take some conversation. It's gonna take some being honest. It's gonna take you going home and digging up some things you buried. As we all stand, I know many of us are ready to turn the tide on the enemy. Many of us are tired of running from things that we should be defeating. Many of us are tired of bumping our head over and over and over again. Today is the day you begin to dig some stuff up. See, once Joshua and the people learned who had the accursed thing, they had to take that accursed thing and even take that person and take that entire family and separate them. They had to cut them off from the people of Israel. They had to be done with them forever because they would not be able to move forward until the accursed thing and everything attached to it was cut off. Buster said, yeah, Buster said. Yeah, okay. Let me tell you something. You have to be okay with being done with some things. I mean done. Not just, you know, I'm going to take a season off and get back to it. You have to be okay with being done with some things. If you continue to read the story, my heart was hurt for the family of Achan. Because God said, listen, take Achan and his entire family. The dog, the oxen, everything he owns. Get the fish too. They all got to go. They all got to be cut off. They all got to be destroyed. But what God was saying to me is that that's how serious I am about us as believers carrying dead things. I don't want you to be a part of it at all. This is a self-inventory. We got to be done with some people. We got to be done with some relationships. We got to be done with some lifestyles. And it starts today. So as the prayer warriors come, as the prayer warriors come and as praise and worship team begins to take us home, I want to challenge you. We don't have to know what your thing is. You don't got to tell us your business. But if you know you've got some things you've been carrying, you got some things buried. Thank you for listening to the New Birth Christian Ministries podcast. Visit us online at newbirthcm.org.